So this morning, uh, uh, I'm going to talk about faith, and I'll explain why in a moment. But before you get my thoughts, let's read some verses together. They won't appear behind you. I'm just going to read these verses to you, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about faith. Is that okay? Good. Genesis 15, verse 6. Here's a famous verse. This is about Jacob, when Jacob is promised, uh, or God promises Jacob, uh, sorry, Abraham. It's about Abraham and when God promises Abraham something. Uh, Genesis 15, verse 6 says this, And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And then we take up a New Testament narrative about faith and indeed Hebrews 11 mentions, among others, this amazing man, the father of our faith, called Abraham. And it says this, I'm going to read verses, first three verses, and then eight through to twelve. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. Interesting words, fascinating words. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. We could spend many hours looking at just these verses, but I'm tempted, but we won't. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Do you ever feel like that? (laughs) I'm on a journey, but I'm not exactly sure where the destination is. And this is what happened with Abraham. By faith, he lived as an alien in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Beautiful verses. Habakkuk 2, verse 4 says this. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by the faithfulness of God. And then some New Testament verses. The account of the woman who's been bleeding for a prolonged period of time and then comes up behind Jesus. And Jesus touches her. Matthew 9, 20 to 22 says this. But when a woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, she said to herself, if only I can touch the edge of his cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. So I'm going to use these verses. Normally we preach from a passage rather than a selection of verses. I want to use these verses this morning to talk a little bit about faith. And it's only a little bit. Uh, It's a massive subject. But I want to talk about... Why do I want to talk about faith this morning? Well, I think this this is probably one of the primary things that God is looking for. (laughs) Luke 18 verse 8 says this, However, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? One of the things the Lord is looking for uh, is faith. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth uh, uh, 
to show himself strong on behalf of those who are loyal to him. Let me read that again because I sort of hesitated in the middle of it. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those that are loyal to him or have faith in him or place their trust in him. So one of the things that God is looking for and indeed in many ways um, is a precursor to God coming in a profound way into different situations, into our lives, maybe into nations, into towns and into communities, is this whole idea of faith. God is looking for faith. Uh, he's not looking for well-behaved people, necessarily. <laughs> he's looking for faith. Number two, faith registers on his radar. I think faith, place, faith registers on God's radar. I, I love this verse in Hebrews 11, verse 2. For by it, men of old gained approval. Faith, I think, is a big part of the means by which God judges us. And uh, for me, this is good news. Because <laughs> it's not based on yours or mine accomplishments. Isn't that great news? Because if it was based on our accomplishments, um, I, you know, <laughs> God's approval is not based on our accomplishments. It's based primarily on the accomplishment of Jesus at the cross isn't it? Your work doesn't earn you security. You're, se you're secure because of faith, of Christ, your faith in Christ's work for us. So faith, faith is a means of uh, attaining the approval of God, not based on the, necessarily based on the outcomes of your life. And lastly, um, I actually think we've got much more of it than we think we have. And let me explain why I say that. Growing up in an evangelical Pentecostal church, um, this, faith was a much talked about subject. And uh, I remember in my early years in Amblecote, how long have we been here? 26 years, something like that. We talked quite a lot about faith. But normally faith is talked about as faith for rather than faith in. Normally it's connected to um, maybe healing or possessing something in Christ. And I don't know about you, but normally when people talk about faith in those terms, I largely feel hugely inadequate and as if I haven't got enough. Would you agree with me? So, and then even in tragic some of the tragic circumstances that we face when we lose members of our church family or things happen that we don't understand. You know, I think back, and I think Richard would be fine about me talking about this, about the death of his dear wife, Sarah, who was a great personal friend. One or two people concluded afterwards in their conversations with me that if we had more faith, she wouldn't have died. And of course, I'm, I'm not the eternal judge, only God is. But my worry about conversations like that is it places far too much of somebody's eternal destiny in my hands and not enough in his. Would you agree with me? Uh, and so at times of tragedy like that, we have to trust in a God who knows everything <laughs> And, uh, and, and knows our individual's uh, um, eternal destiny. Um, and uh, not only did I feel that I hadn't got enough, but really my faith wasn't good enough as well. And often it was talked about as a sort of mystical thing that was hard to grasp and get a hold of. As if, you know, there was this thing called faith that I was trying to get a hold of and really, really couldn't access it. And so rarely did people talk about faith in, often or more often it was talked about 
faith for. And even in my early years as a Christian, um, reading a book, some of you won't remember him because you suddenly realize that your memories come from the dim and distant past. But there was a great uh, preacher who, uh, and, um, and church planter who I would say many in the room might know called Yonggi Chow. Anybody remember Yonggi Chow? And he, he wrote this amazing book because he, he saw an amazing revival in, uh, in Seoul in South Korea and uh, did some remarkable things. And he talked about faith and, and how they, on this one particular occasion he needed a bicycle in order for him to access different groups um, uh, you know, as a means of tra- transport. So he, he eventually talks in this book, the narrative tells you how God taught him to visualize what the bike would look like. And so he sort of, as he prayed, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but this suddenly makes my faith look about this big. Do you know what I mean? He prays and even knows the color of the bike that God's going to give him. And he, he sort of almost visualizes this bike leant against the wall. And you know the end of the story is, of course, he gets his bike in the color that he thought. with a, You know, a remarkable story. But, it, <laughs> but that, that's probably, let me just suggest that is amazing faith, but possibly a narrow understanding of faith. And this morning, um, I want to hopefully help us, some of us who've had a narrow view of what faith is to broaden our view of faith and largely this was a journey I went on after knowing the Lord for over 40 years when I visited Israel and I went on this amazing tour and had this great opportunity um, to uh, listen to uh, our tour guide who'd got three three degrees one in Hebrew well, I don't know what he what he'd got but he was a very clever bloke and very compelling in the way he taught but he helped me to re-understand what it means to have faith and uh, I don't want to share some of those thoughts this morning. I think I shared them one Sunday morning very briefly, but I want to share them with you this morning. I suddenly realized that maybe faith isn't quite as mystical as I thought it was. And maybe I had slightly more than I thought I had. So, I'm going to talk about three words in the Hebrew language that talk that mean faith. In our language, we probably largely have one, don't we? But the Hebrew language, though I'm not a Hebrew scholar, this individual was, is a very rich language with many words that mean the same thing but have different inflections in them. And it's really helpful to understand some of those words in order for us not to be too narrow in our understanding of many of the subjects that we talk about. So the first one I want to talk about is this. Aman. Aman. A-M-A-N. And this basically means trusting in the character of God. One of the most important verses, possibly in the whole of the Old Testament, is the verse we quoted from Genesis 15, verse 6. And he believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now, you know the story, or many of you will know the story. Abraham and Sarah are childless. God shows up, asks Abraham to leave his tent, look up at the stars of the sky, and he makes a promise to him that his descendants would be as many as the stars that he can see, the multitudes of stars that he can see. But of course, they're both old. Um, Sarah, the Bible records, has a barren womb. But when we talked about this, when we were on this tour, this very clever guy says the inflection in the original language means more than she's just got a barren womb, but Abraham and Sarah are no longer having any intimate relations at all. So they've, they've stopped any intimate relation. So this is, this is more than just a barren womb. It, it, it extends a little bit further than that. And so the question then comes, how do you have faith for what God has said to be, as he says it will be, 
when our material world, or our, and that for is Abraham and Sarah's material world, how do we have faith for that? And here, the word is less about believing what God has said, but believing in who God is. It's less about believing what he's said in this particular verse, and it's more about trusting not just his word, but it's faith in him, not in his word. So the best way for me to illustrate this is, um, uh, I did A-level a art, that seems a long time ago, <laughs> and, and uh, sadly, during my A-level art, our art teacher passed away, and we had a temporary art teacher, and, uh, but he wasn't a teacher primarily, he was an artist, and he taught part-time. And um, he, he came and looked at my art one day, and he said, uh, it's great, Adrian, you know, I like, because I used to draw with a, with a really sharp, fine, so it's very particular. I always use small brushes. And he said, it's good, it's good, you've clearly got some talent, um, but, uh, but I think you need to put down your pencil, and you need to put down your little brush, and then he puts in my hand an inch and a half wide brush, you see, and says, um, from now on, I want you to do nothing else. Don't want you to do any drawing. Your drawing's good. Don't want you to do any of that fine painting. I want you to do everything with this inch and a half brush. So I look at this inch and a half brush, and I think, the man must be mad. How can I possibly do anything with a brush that's about an inch and a half wide? But I did what he said. Why did I do what he said? For two reasons. Number one, I'd seen his work and were totally convinced that this man has something valuable to teach me. And uh, not only that, have I, have I seen his, not, not only have I seen his work, um, but uh, what he'd advised before had worked. And so, I guess what I'm trying to illustrate is, it's not so much what he said, but who he was that made me change the way I began to paint. Does that make sense? And so this, this here is not so much about Abraham believing God's word, but knowing the truth about who he is and trusting in his character, in who he was, not just in his word. Commenting on the usage of this word, a man in Genesis 15, 16, this guy called Vine who writes a, a, a um, a dictionary about these words says this. The meaning here is that Abraham was full of trust and confidence in God. It was not primarily in his words that he believed, but in God himself. So what Abraham learns is his word is possible because of who he is. And, you know, when we know someone, we can believe what they say, don't we? When we know someone's character, we can believe their words. And so here, the first word, a man, is about trusting in the character of God. Secondly, um, emunah is, a, is another word. Emunah, E-M-U-N-A-H. This means faithfulness to God. Put simply, God speaks, I do. Habakkuk 2 verse 4 says this, Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by faith by their faithfulness to God. Paul quotes this verse in Romans when he writes, and he says, the righteous shall live by faith. What does it mean 
to live by faith. This is a challenge as well, isn't it? Again, I think I was brought up thinking that to live by faith generally meant you had very little or nothing at all and that you believed God for food on the table uh, and petrol in the car or whatever. I've been told some amazing stories. One, one, uh, one sort of what do you call him, a missionary, tells me that um, he had, he had, he, all he had left was enough money to make a journey to where he'd been asked to go and preach. Uh, on the train, so that's the whole family money is the, is the value of the fare, which I think was somewhere in Scotland, so he gets, buys a one-way ticket, this is, that's, uh, this is faith, isn't it, there's no doubt about that, has no more money left, but buys this one-way ticket, goes and preaches, then says to the Lord, what shall I do? Go and stand on the platform for the return journey, so he comes and stands on the platform for the return journey, and uh, he walks up and down thinking, you know, what, what's the point of being on a platform when you haven't got any money for a return ticket? And he said, somebody came up to him and said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel that you should have this. And gives him a return ticket to the exact destination that he needs to return to. And you go, that is amazing, don't you? <laughs> you go, but it feels slightly unattainable. Have I got enough faith to empty my entire bank account and savings and disappear on a trip somewhere with no return fare? You know, it was really, it seemed or it felt like it was beyond me. Living by faith felt like it was for the spiritual elite. But I want to reassure you this morning that living by faith is not for the spiritual elite. It's for you and me. And one of the ways of understanding faith is simply this, to do what God has asked you to do. And in fairness, that's what that guy did. But we all can do this. It's not just for the elite few. Contacts of Habakkuk 2 Verse 4 helps us to understand the characteristics and type of faith that Paul's referring to. He contrasts the proud, self-reliant attitudes of the unrighteous ancient pagans with that of those that live to please God. What does it mean to please God? Simply do what he says. In doing what he says, we are living by faith. It might not seem quite as attractive as only having a one-way fare to Glasgow and believing... Do that if you feel God is calling you to do that. Please do that. Uh, but living by faith is, is something that we can all engage with, in a, I think, in a very practical way. And Abraham has this type of faith. If Abraham and Sarah were going to have a baby, they need to take some practical action. Would you agree with me? You know, I'm, look, I don't want to be in any way... Um, sort of dodgy this morning, but Abraham, Abraham probably needs to go and buy some decent aftershave. Would you agree with me? And Sarah possibly needs to put away her granny pants. <laughs> probably get sacked off this. Put away her granny pants. And, 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 and maybe get some sexy underwear. Do you know what I mean? Seriously. If we're going to do what God asks us to do, sometimes it has some very practical outworkings, doesn't it? It's quite simple. But we cannot underestimate the call of God on our lives to do as he's told us to do. Would you agree with me? If God is looking for faith, I'll tell you the other thing he's looking for is obedience. For us to live out, to live out what God has spoken, simply to do what he's asked us to do. Not only that, but we know the story, because we've read the story, or, uh, um, we've read the story of Abraham already. Abraham 
Hebrews says, was when he was called, he obeyed. What did he do? God said, go, so Abraham went. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Let me encourage you this morning simply to do this. Faith is about doing what God has asked us to do. And then thirdly, this term chutzpah, which somebody asked me to spell, so I will give it this one, C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H, chutzpah. Chutzpah means determination, determination. This is a type of faith called chutzpah. Matthew 9, verse 20 to 22. Just then, a woman who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed in that moment. You know the story? Many of you have read this story many times. Jesus is en route to pray for Jairus' daughter. Uh, and, um, and his journey is interrupted. Notice what the Bible says. She came up behind him. She kept, I can associate with this woman. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes she came up behind him. Uh, she's obviously lacking some confidence. Not surprising because according to the law, she shouldn't be out in public. But she doesn't meet Jesus full on. She doesn't shout out like the blind man did. But she creeps up behind thinking, if I can simply touch the edge of his garment, then I'll be healed. Her faith doesn't look like that of Jairus's, does it? Jairus is a bold sort of guy. Uh, Jairus, it says, while he was saying these things, a synagogue official came up to him, bowed down before him and said, my daughter's just died. Come and lay your hand on her and she will live. What amazing faith that seems to be, doesn't it? Bold, sort of aggressive, in front of Jesus, kneeling before him, making declarations that seem of enormous faith. In contrast, there's this woman who's a little bit unsure, losing confidence, but still recognizes that if I can simply touch the hem of his garment, then I believe this miracle worker will heal me. His faith, Jairus's, is the, most, is the faith that most of us would love to have rather than a woman who has the issue of blood. But Jesus recognizes this woman's faith. He stops, he turns, and he says to her, a beautiful thing, daughter, take courage. Take confidence. Be encouraged. What a beautiful thing to say. Here she is, up, creeping up behind him, stops the entire party. She's hoping maybe to slip away, having been healed, but Jesus stops the party, identifies the woman, and then says this, daughter, take courage. He says this, your faith has made you well. The word here in Hebrew thought is the word chutzpah, which means determination. What a beautiful thought. That one of the ways that we can describe faith this morning is determination. A determination to push through and to push into Christ. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you're faced with a whole host of circumstances, including the condition of your own heart sometimes, that we need to get before, we, we need to have determination to push through and to touch the hem of his garment. Determination to reach Christ is recognized as faith. I don't know, maybe you're in some circumstances this morning where you're 
feeling like it's actually tough. I'd say keep determined to reach out and touch Christ in whatever way, shape or form that might be taking place. So faith this morning, I want to say number one, is about faith and trust in the character of God. He is who he says he is. That's why we can trust him. Number two, be faithful in doing what God has asked you to do. This is a faith that registers with God himself. And lastly, determination is equally an expression of our faith in who God is.